You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know that, then you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there in the paint. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz with Train Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey everybody, Pro Talk Outdoors. We're rolling through August now, and uh, oh man, the weather's been hot. We, we've got our food plots in. Uh, yep. You know, doing well with that. Obviously, just got to hope we get enough rain over the next few weeks that everything looks good when it comes late September and early October when we kind of expect those to really pay dividends. But man, in the meantime, it feels like it's ready to get back around to some fishing until we get to deer season, but it's been so doggone hot. Yeah, it has been really hot. And you know, I love this time of year because it's like the work and preparation is almost over. I'm still checking some cameras, Mm -hmm. refreshing some mineral, doing that kind of thing, getting ready for deer season. But it's kind of like you can take a sigh of relief, food plots are in the ground. It's up to mother nature now, but finally get around to grabbing the fishing poles again because it hadn't been quite some time. Well, um, no, no, here and there, but... Uh, I went it, yesterday. It's it's not, you know, been fruitful when I've done it yes. because it's, you know, it's been scalding hot. It, it's been the strangest year weather-wise. You know, we talked so much in this podcast earlier in the season about how wet it was, and then all of a sudden it got so dry so quickly and hot. Yeah, and that actually that that brings up you know a concern on the deer front there as well. One hundred percent. With uh, it's not you know, just hurting with, the fishing with the threat for EHD, and I mean that's real. It's actually hitting our area a little bit here in southern Indiana, it's, and and I think it's because it had been so wet. You've got water puddled up and standing in areas that never are accustomed to having water, and then when it goes dry, those things that's just a, a breeding ground for the midge gnat, and and there's just uh, the threats out there. I mean, we need some rain right now, and. You know, for not just the ponds going dry, we went fishing yesterday evening, and um, I think every pond that we hit was two foot low. I mean, they were just low. Which low. makes it tough, man. I mean, the lack of oxygenation that's in the water in that kind of situation, not only is it making the fishing tough, but it's making the living tough for the bass. That's why the fishing's rough yeah. is because those bass aren't, I mean, just like you and I. I mean, if we spent all day every day out in hot blistering sun we're not going to be working or operating at max efficiency either you know so i mean it, it, i don't know it, i just look at this time of year as a really tough time to 
go out there and, and fish and be able to, to be confident that you're not stressing them out. So I'm always exactly. really, really cognizant this time of year to get that fish back in the water as quickly as possible. You know, I love taking pictures with a big catch. This is the time of year where this and the spawn, it's going back in just as quick as it came out. Yeah, as, as hot as it is, and like you mentioned, the oxygen level being so low in those ponds, you got to catch them and get them back in the water as soon as possible or, you know, or you're going to keep them. I mean, if you know if you're keeping fish, that's one sure. thing. You know, you don't have to worry about that. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a threat right now. You know, growing up, uh, if we didn't go around the May full moon spawn catching a mess of bluegill, Dad would sometimes want to go this time of year just to help with competition when it got really hot and, and there was so much going on in the water, you know, in terms of lack of oxygen and everything else. He would say, you know what, let's, we didn't keep any in May. Let's keep 20 this time of year and maybe it'll make yep. it easier on what's in there. So another abstract school of thought for you. But along that fishing line, we've got a pretty interesting guest on today. I, man, I've been been uh, playing phone tag with uh, with Bill Buckner for quite some time now. I've been yeah, really interesting. You know, JP, you and I both went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. We both... Many years apart. We, we both were, uh, <laughs> were high school baseball players. Um, same number even. Yeah, we're the same number in high school. And which I'm a little disappointed they didn't retire it after I was done with it. Well, I've told you that story. They temporarily retired it after me. Yeah, I know. Well, they brought it back. Different coaching regime. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, and, and we both love the outdoors. We love to fish. We love to hunt. And it's very interesting now. There's been a high school club started for fishing at our old alma mater. Mm-hmm. Had that been in place back whenever I was in high school, I would have struggled. I would have seriously struggled to compete on the baseball field because I would have been wanting to be out there on the lake fishing. It would be it would have been really tough and I don't know how I could have chosen just one of them because those two things have been my two biggest life's passion since I was 5 years old. Right. And and continued still are this day. I mean, I've told you several times I'd run across the street and slap somebody to go step on a ball diamond and play an organized game again, and I mean it. I still feel that way. So it, I would be faced with a terribly tough decision to have to make there. But, I mean, I, there's a lot of folks that play two sports in one season, so I guess I just would have been one of those you guys. You know, and and I was kind of old school a little bit, you know, playing for uh, old Mark Hildebrand. They wouldn't have flown with him. I mean, it was um, you yeah. commit to baseball or you don't play. But – I, you know, I know I would have been having some serious conversations with him, say, hey, coach, come on, let me go fish. Let me fish this tournament. You know, we don't have a – we're going to be back from the doubleheader on Saturday. Let me fish Saturday evening. Come on now. Yeah, I, I just think it's great, though. The more options that kids have to go out and do these kind of things, the better. And I'm looking forward to listening to what Bill has to say. Hang with us. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. Epizootic hemorrhagic disease commonly known as EHD. It is right now ravaging the state of Indiana and many other areas across the country. A very wet spring and early summer leading to lots of water being pulled up leaves lots of nesting area for the midge gnat or the biting midge that causes the EHD. The only thing that will stop this process is a hard frost from Mother Nature. Sure, some rain will help out, but that doesn't stop the process. But what if I was to tell you there is a product out there that can help your deer survive this EHD? Yeah, it's out there. It's called 
Maximizer with Expect Healthy Deer technology, and it's made by Real World Wildlife Products. And it's got a special ingredient in there that was proven to kill the EHD virus in two hours in lab testing. It's out there and available to you to purchase to help your local deer herd. Maximizer with Expect Healthy Deer technology, available at realworldwildlifeproducts.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. We are joined by the one and only Bill Buckner. And it's not necessarily the same one that made the air in the 1986 World Series to down the Red Sox, although I'm sure you probably got that a lot over the years. Uh, being uh, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, being a, being a Yankee fan, and, and Dave said, hey, I want to get Bill Buckner on the podcast. I said, I think that's great. I can't wait to talk about the Red Sox losing a World Series. And then... He informed me which Bill Buckner it was, and I have to say, i, I got to give you props for, for what you've done. Uh, creating a fishing program at the high school that I graduated from is something that is just awesome for me to think about, and I'm really jealous of these kids that I didn't get a chance to do that back in the day. Uh, I feel the same way. I, I wish it would have. They would, we would have had this back in the, the mid-'80s when I graduated from there as well. It's it's an awesome concept. I wanted to get one going at, at Western Kentucky University in uh, 2011 uh, before my junior year there and couldn't get enough momentum going on it, and I didn't know what I was doing trying to create a program. And I, I know at the collegiate level there were a lot of hurdles to try to clear to do something like that. Can you tell us what kind of hurdles or difficulty uh, was behind getting something like that started at the high school level? I'll tell you what, with the uh, momentum the colleges have gave over over the last few years, and uh, it, it was really pretty simple for me. Uh, we had a uh, had a school board member, a friend of ours, Andrea Solo. Uh, her and my wife were friends, and she approached us about, hey, we're wanting to start a fishing team at Scottsford. Would you be interested in coaching? And I was like, yeah, I would, because I've fished my entire life, and uh I got in touch with uh, Jamie Lowry, the athletic director, and he's been absolutely amazing and totally supportive of the program. And and we met a few times. We talked. We worked it out, and it is t- it took off. Well, you know, let's back up a little bit there, Bill, because I, I I know uh, let, let's let's let the listeners hear a little bit about your background. Now, I know. Uh, years ago, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I, you know, I used to fish a lot of those Tuesday, Thursday night tournaments out there at Hardy Lake, and Bill Buckner was a guy that was seemed to be always a threat to win those things, and uh, I was telling JP before we came on the air here that, you know, that you're a local stick, and you, you, you tend to do pretty well for yourself. You always represent pretty well, no matter what tournament you're in, um, and, and give a little bit of a background on that. I know you said you've been fishing pretty much, <clears throat> pretty much your whole life, but Man, I imagine that's just quite a transition to go from the angler to the guy giving advice and guidance to a lot of young, it, for the most part, probably really inexperienced uh, anglers. Uh, yeah, that's correct. I uh, I used to fish a lot of tournaments. I still fish some occasionally. You know, I, we had the Indiana Bass Federation State Finals this past weekend at, at a Tanner's Creek over in Lawrenceburg on the Ohio River. And I was fortunate enough to finish 10th, you know, so I got a little bit of money, made the wife happy. Uh, I still fish a few tournaments, like I said, but not like I used to. I used to fish uh, Hoosier Opens, BFLs. I used to fish a lot of the circuits. And and this 
life in general. My kids started getting older. I had more responsibility. And uh, I just, I still fish, still have a boat. That's my main passion other than take care of my family is to fish. And our first practice we had, when I had to call out to high school, we had 25 kids come. And I'm like, what in the world am I going to do with 25 kids out here? And we met in the uh, parking lot of the high school, grass field out front. We set up targets, had them all bring a fishing pole. Some of them didn't have a fishing pole, never held a fishing pole in their life. And uh, we worked on casting. And we did this three or four times. Uh, we have kind of lost a few along the way. I think we're down to 12 that are really stuck with it and are there. I do have a few coming in next year uh, that's supposed to be pretty good fishermen that I'm looking forward to. Uh, so really that's kind of the background of how everything started. It is, when we do have tournaments, we have six, we had six tournaments this year. We have our, our last one coming up August 17th at West Boggs Lake. Um, we had a, we, we've had a really good season, but I have, I rotate who I boat captain each tournament. And uh, I have some that are very good, very self-sufficient. I have some others that need a little bit of help, a little bit of coaching. Uh, but but it's it's been a it's been a real joy for me to help develop these kids along the way. Now, obviously, this is an idea that's probably really new to a lot of folks, and obviously myself included. Now, when you say you have twelve anglers that have stuck with it, uh, do all twelve get to fish in a tournament? And if they do, is it two to a boat? Or how does that work? Okay, okay. the high school format, it basically works. You have two uh, high school anglers, and you have one boat captain. Okay. The, the boat captain drives the boat. He can tie lures on. He can suggest techniques. Um, he can dig backlashes out, stuff like that. But he cannot fish. Uh, he cannot cast. So it's in the tournaments are eight hours usually, and it's a, it's a long day when you're when you're with some kids, but you are allowed to net fish. So any kids in my boat, I am very quick with the net because I actually get to do something other than eating some a bucket of fried chicken that I take with me or something to pass the time. <laughs> so okay, so do all twelve. I mean, get to go out. So, like, let's say you're boat captain for, for two anglers here. Is there a boat captain for the other five pair, or how, do, how does uh, that work? Yes, yes, there is. That that's And that's the most difficult part, the most challenging part of the whole thing, is uh, getting boat captains because they're donating their time. We do pay for gas. Uh, we make sure we pay for that for the boat captain to help them out. But they're, they're donate, donating their time uh, away from their family or away from fishing. Uh, to to support our our team, I am fortunate enough that there are three parents that fish, so that's their boat and mine. And then I've had four other people that have have stepped up and supported me and uh, agreed to be a boat captain. And a couple of them, well, three of them aren't even from around here, so they they just support the program. They go with the youth, and it, it it's a really it's a really big deal because I ha if I don't have a boat captain, I got to leave somebody at home. So mm. I do everything I can to get a boat captain. Through the high school, I have to have a background check done on every boat captain because you know we don't want our kids with somebody they shouldn't be with. 
So we have a background check done, and uh, then they're okay to be the boat captain. So that's how you acquire the boats, too, then. I mean, so somebody that, that doesn't own a boat wouldn't be a good candidate to volunteer as a boat captain. Egg, you're exactly right, unless they have a buddy that will let them, let them borrow their boat. Okay. Okay, so now when uh, when things like this are set up, I'm assuming this is still considered a club sport. Is that right as well? Uh, yeah, that is right. It's actually in Kentucky and Tennessee, and I think, well, southern states especially, but I think maybe either Illinois or Ohio, they're actually high school sanctioned sports, and maybe one day we'll get to that, but right now we are just a club. Great. What's uh, what's the uh, landscape look like in our area, Bill? How many teams have, or how many how many schools have uh, clubs that are currently going and competing? Uh, well, Boyd Central, they 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 have a pretty big club. Uh, Lanesville has a club. I'm um, trying to think of all of them. Crothersville, Brownstown, they both have a club. But they fish more of a, of a. They 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 fish a little bit. They don't fish the Indiana Bass Federation Youth Division that we fish. Uh, it's more prevalent up north. There's a lot of lot of high school teams up around Indianapolis. It seems to be bigger up in that area. Uh, but it's it's starting to funnel toward the south. So how does the scoring work? Um, if a team only has four anglers, uh, is it? similar to you know cross country or some sort of track or, or running sport where you know sorry about your luck you're just out the points that would fill out the rest of your roster or, or how does that work no we, we actually the the tournaments are scored by individual teams the two-person team they they acquire the points uh so in the indiana bass federation south youth, youth division that we're fishing now the uh, top eight teams from that will get to advance to the state finals. This is our first year, so from what I understand, that's where they'll fish for uh, scholarship money. Um, but um, they, you acquire points as a team for how you finish in each tournament. Now, so we're not really fishing as Scottsburg, but it's individual teams. But okay. we're still one team. Now, do you get to kind of – coach or, or manage a little bit like a, a baseball manager would or and, and kind of figure out which two folks may fish better together and, and rotate things around, or uh, do you kind of just draw out of a hat? No, no. That, through our practices and just getting to know the, the kids, I, I try to you, – you want to load the deck. So I, I try to put best anglers together to give them a better chance mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, that's just – the best thing to do. So how and do you then, how do you um, decide who gets the front deck? They're both on the front deck. Oh, okay. Unless somebody wants to go to the back deck, I got to have some place to sit other than the seat of the boat. <laughs> so I usually <laughs> sit on the pedestal on the back deck. But uh, they, uh, they 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 fish as a team, and and they acquire points as a team, and then they they get to go on. Now there is. Trophies given out at the at these events we fished, and we've been fortunate enough to win four of the five that we have fished. We've had a, a team finish in the top place, and uh, we've had we've we've swept too because they gave first, second, third, and big bass. So two tournaments also we completely took all the hardware, which I, I'm pretty competitive, so I'm pretty proud of my kids. But we've we've always ha- had 
a team finish in the top three in a tournament. That's great representation, and I, you know, I've uh, I've got a cousin that fishes uh, for you. Uh, Braden Barger is, uh, is uh, my cousin, yeah. so I, I follow pretty closely on social media how you guys are doing, and uh, and I'm like starting to, you know, when I see Braden, I'm I'm starting to say, hey man, what are you throwing? How are you catching these fish? <laughs> He's pretty tight lipped. Well, I'll tell you what, you need to tell him to make sure he always brings his lucky hat because he, oh, yeah. he seems to do better with that hat when he forgets that I'm a little aggravated at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting looking hat he's got there. Yeah, yeah. So when uh, when you're going out on these, these tournaments and you've made your pairings and things, are, are these guys doing any pre-scouting? Are they allowed to go to the body of water if they're able to get there early, or is there a restriction on that? And uh, how much how much are they able to ask other folks in the area, or, or is there any guideline on that? Uh, through, through the season, there's really not. Uh, you can go pre-fish the day before if, if you can. Tournaments are all on Saturdays. Um, when the state finals comes up, the, the lake, it'll be Moore's Reservoir up around Indianapolis. I've never been there. But uh, it'll be off limits for a week. But okay. some, some of them, they, they do go and they do pre-fish. I've taken a few of them, and I've even taken a couple boat captains, you know, that maybe don't know the lake, and we've taken, you know, the boat captain and and their uh, their son, and we went out with fish to kind of get an idea of what to do, because uh, mm-hmm. everybody calls it practicing, but you're really not practicing. You're you're just trying to figure out what the fish are doing and where they're at. So uh, they they do go. I our our meeting we had the. The other day, I did ask them because we had a night tournament. I asked the kids, I had them sitting there, and I said, how did you prepare for that night tournament? And I went around the room, and one kid said that he pre-fished on Friday night. I was like, okay, that's great. Uh, Others said, well, I tied on the bait you told me to tie on. Uh, Others said I slept in, so I'd be able to stay up late. And uh, (laughs) I picked my cell phone up, and I said, I know every one of these got one of these, you know, and... um, because I tell you to put it down if you get it out in the tournament because we're not out here talking on our cell phone, but you can get so much information off cell phone. So I kind of talked to them about that, and then we have a captain on the team that was voted on by the team. His name is Wyatt Harmon, and uh, he is going to actually ask all the kids, you know, all his other teammates, you know, what have you learned about West Boggs? Because most of them's never been there. What have you learned about West Boggs? What have you? What are you planning on doing? Have you did any homework? So, things like that is what I try to teach them. So, are, are these guys, uh, as the year goes on, developing their own style and and preference as to how to attack a body of water? Have you seen evolution on on the angling techniques and things of that nature? Or are these uh, without it? Without a doubt, I saw especially their their casting skills because um, that that's a you, know, that's a, you guys fish, that's a big key. you got to be able to put the bait where the fish are at. Uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of improvement. Uh, we actually had at uh, Lake Lemon, our team that won that, uh, Devin Spalding, he caught, uh, caught, he caught big bass tournament. He was a five-pounder. He said that, that's his personal best. You know, they said PB, and I'm an old guy. I'm like, what's PB? Peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peanut yeah. butter. It's their personal best. I said, oh, okay. So, and, and he's really developed, and a lot of the other, you talked about Braden earlier, Braden has, has really developed, and uh, our, 
and there's a lot of scholarship money out there for these kids, and I and I want them to be able to build them a resume to be able to maybe go to a college because there aren't a lot of colleges that give scholarships for fishing. Oh, Jordan and Matt Lee are two prime examples, two guys that are doing an an incredible job MLF now, but uh, I mean, that's a a fact. I think they were both collegiate champions. Yeah, they both went to Auburn University. I think it's incredible. Uh, How do you see this growing at the high school level? What are the things that need to happen? Obviously, this isn't a a stick and ball sport or anything of that nature where there's huge ticket revenue. So how does this grow outside of a booster club? Well, I'm glad you mentioned booster club because it would be a, it it would be a crime if I did not mention my booster club on here. I have an amazing booster club and the community of Scott County has been amazing supporting these kids. Um, But it's just awareness uh, getting out there, getting the kids on the water, getting uh, more schools involved. Uh, Julia Julia Eisenberg is the uh, tournament director for the IBF South Youth Division, and she does an amazing job. Uh, she puts a lot of effort into it. And I, I met with her, Jamie Lowry and myself, both both met with her uh, prior to, to our starting our, our season. And, and she had a lot of good good comments and and a lot of struggles that she had as well. But it, it's just it it's just the communities like we have around here, like I said, the support has been overwhelming. Um, and I do believe I, I don't know I don't know when, but I, I do believe it will end up being a, a high school sanctioned sport even in the state of Indiana sometime down the road. Let me ask you this, Bill. So there there's gonna be people that are listening to this podcast and they're gonna think, How can I, you know, my school doesn't have a club. How can I get my son or daughter involved at a club level at high school? Is there, number one, is is there some kind of way that they should approach their school system to create a club? Or two, say they're, say they're at an Austin high school and they don't have a fishing club, but Scottsburg does. Is there a way for a kid that goes to Austin to participate under Scottsburg's umbrella? Uh not at this time. Uh, I've I've had another from some from some other schools in the community. Hey, could my kid come? And I said, well, if he comes to Scottsburg, and also there's some schools that do middle school, and uh, I don't have the resources to do middle school. You know, it's it's a struggle with with boat boats and boat captains. Um, the biggest thing you have to do one you have to have somebody that's willing to coach, somebody that'll put the time in. Uh, to coach these kids, and then then you have to. Uh, I would suggest just approaching the the school board, the athletic director. Like I said, Jamie Lowry is awesome. Uh, approaching the athletic director and seeing if they're open to it, and and being able to to have that that person. And and like I said, Brownstown, I believe they fish a lot of uh, local waters, and they don't fish very big tournaments. They fish Star Hollow a lot which is a trolling motor only lake. So you don't have to have a big bass boat to run down the lake. It's just something to get the kids out. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. A lot of good information there. So uh, if there's somebody in our community that happens to be listening to this podcast, how can they, if they decide they want to support the bass club, what can they do? Who can they get a hold of and what kind of support uh, can they give? Okay. Well, Ryan Fleener, he, he is our booster club uh, president 
they can get a hold of me directly um, through through Facebook or whatever means. But uh, we actually, when when we had our jerseys for the season, because yeah, I, I got to say we got some we got some pretty cool jerseys. Oh, they're awesome. They, they are phenomenal. And I'll give Keith Pittman from Outdoor Technology Outdoor Technologies a, a big uh, a big boost for that because he contacted me and. Even though he does IU jerseys, and I'm a UK fan, it, it was okay. Well, we, we liked were, you right up until but, then, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but we we went to the community. We went all around the community. The kids did, and they basically asked for sponsorship. Hey, kid, would you sponsor? And we'll put your we'll put your business logo on our jersey. And all the sponsors you see on that jersey, all donated to this fishing club. And so, it was a matter of a two-week period when these kids went out and got all those donations, which has has paid for a lot. It's going to pay for a lot more when we have our banquet at the end of the year. And, and you may not be at liberty to disclose this, but if you are, I'm curious to hear um, what amount of dollar amount of sponsorship is required for somebody to uh, to have their organization or company on on the jersey. Well, we asked for a a minimum of a of a hundred dollars. Uh-huh. Or to have it on there, and that seemed not such a big problem. And then we had a two fifty and a five hundred. We did have one five hundred dollar sponsor, which was pretty amazing. And I kind of piggybacked that off of uh, Julie Eisenberg because she also coaches the Floyd Central team, and that's kind of the way they went around it. But you can set whatever guidelines you want. We was just trying to to uh, anything we could get would be great. Well, Bill, uh, if you would be willing, I think Pro Talk Outdoors might be interested in in donating toward that cause for next season. Oh, of course we will. Of course we will. And and we'll, we'll start our fundraiser around December, I believe. We'll keep our so information. Absolutely. Yeah. Be sure and uh, <clears throat> send us a message when that time comes around, Bill. And we want to uh, jump on board and do what we can to help support the cause. That that's awesome. We really appreciate it because. Really, I got some really good kids, and I just want to mention something else, and I apologize to the team for this. They have a, through the TBF, it's, it's kind of what we're sanctioned with the FLW. They have a, a world championship and a national championship. And this past year, it was in uh, Alabama on Pickwick Lake, and we had a team, we fished Brookville to qualify, and I had a team misqualifying by two ounces oh, uh, man. that tournament. So that was huge, but I found out later that you could have just signed up and no entry fee, and they could have went to the world championship. So I, I apologize to the team for that because I, I should have did some more work and should have known that. And if some of them wanted to go, we would have figured out how they would have went. So next year, we're looking at a – it's in a La Crosse, Wisconsin. So we're looking to, to take some teams to La, La Crosse, Wisconsin – and we want to be able to compete because they fished for some huge scholarship money. The team that won the world at Alabama, there was 300 and some high school teams there from all over the nation. But each kid got a $90,000 college scholarship. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty huge. It's amazing. Bill, I, th- I think it's tremendous what you guys are doing and uh, look forward to being able to, to support the cause there. And please save our information. If there's a newsletter or something, that, or a, some sort of 
information blast we can be a part of. I would love to to be a part of that just to keep up with it, so we can support, you know, when we're when we're able to, and uh, just have as much involvement as possible. Okay, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. No problem, Bill. Hang with us through the break. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. That's just awesome. It's just stinking awesome, and I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. Uh, and did I mention that I'm I'm very envious? <laughs> jealous, jealous, and envious. That, yes, uh, I, yeah. Sums it up well, yeah, it, a great thing. Um, you know, and and I I don't think you could have found anybody better than Bill to run this program because he is. Uh, yeah, I follow him on Facebook. I don't know Bill personally. I don't know him real well. I know of Bill. I've known of him for quite some time. He's a great fisherman and. Uh, I'll stop just short of calling him a local legend around here, but he's a good fisherman. He's a good quality stick with out there, you know, and, uh, to have him taking his time to coach these kids and, and, and help them understand, you know, what fishing's all about and how to become better anglers. Awesome. You know, and I heard him mention, uh, Ryan Fleener, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, I think it was the president of the booster and yep. helps out as a boat captain. I know Ryan well, Ryan married, uh, um, Beth Comer, who happened to be uh, a classmate of mine. Okay. And uh, they're they're a tremendous couple, and um, glad to see that they're helping support that program as well. And uh, just across the board, I think they're doing great things. I, it's awesome, and I, I look forward to Pro Talk Outdoors putting some some money down there to to help those kids. I, I think it's a great extracurricular activity to. Uh, I, for for all aspects, obviously, I mean, it's not getting you the exercise that you know track or basketball would, but it's it's a great mental commitment because fishing is tough. Fishing is hard. When you catch fish as much as I do, JP. It's just as much physical <laughs> as any baseball game you, I've ever you, played. You've got a fine fishing <laughs> body, Dave. Let me just tell you, uh, I'm built for it. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult thing. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're just a deer hunter, or you know, for some reason you download this and you don't do either one. I would challenge you to go grab a bait caster and spool it up. That might pose a difficult thing right there. And then cast it if you've never done it before. You're already running into difficulties if you've never thrown a bait caster. Let's assume you've done all of those things and, and you know how to fish. Getting out on a body of water, especially this time of year, and catching fish is not ne- quality keeper fish is not necessarily easy, especially the area these kids are doing so well in. You know, some of these lakes, bless their souls, aren't great bodies of water. We're not no, blessed not. to live in an area that's full of great fisheries. So it just even adds to this. So the mental and, and the stick to the decisiveness and the determination, I, I find very admirable that's going to be taught by this club. Well, the thing that I really like about it, and anybody that's tournament fished before, they, they, they know that they're going to they're gonna work on time management. Mm-hmm. You have to be organized. You have to handle pressure well. Oh, it's an emotional yeah, roller coaster. It, it, yeah, it, it definitely is. And not to mention just over the course of a season, these kids, these kids are learning about fish biology and uh, aquatic um, vegetation and, and different things like that. I got it right this time. But, uh, you know, they're, they're learning about a whole lot of other things that you can't learn in a book. Right. And, uh, and that competitiveness that they're they're getting out there on the water is, is going to be second to none. And it's pressure-packed situations, really. When you look down at the clock and you know you got, you know, you got four keepers in the boat and you got to get one more and you know you got a feeling that if you get five keepers and you go in there, you're probably going to be – I won't say in the money because these kids aren't fishing for money, but 
they're going to be on the podium maybe, and, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty intense. You know, and the, and the thing about it that's uh, going to be great, and I really think the, the decisions they're forced to have to make and the reverse psychology that they do on themselves is going to pay dividends in their relationships off the water. It's going to pay dividends in the classroom. I truly believe that because it's such a game of am I making the right decision Right now, you know, it is going to this end of the lake the right thing to do? Am I leaving fish to They're find prioritizing. fish? They're prioritizing. They're prioritizing. And it's crazy the parallels you can find between making decisions with your tournament day and making decisions with your life. And I know that probably sounds ridiculously cheesy, but it's true. It's very true. Uh, and I, unfortunately, I'm sure some of these boat captains are going to encounter mechanical issues or they're going to break a trolling motor rope like I did at a tournament in Gunnersville earlier this year. And the kids are going to learn how to deal with that kind of thing, too. I mean, I just can't sing the praises for this enough and, and really looking forward to uh, supporting this moving forward. I wish I had done something this year to support other than, you know, follow it a little bit. I wish yeah. I had acted on it. Yeah, so if you're listening out there and you, uh, you know, odds are you're probably not even in Indiana if you're listening to this, but check it out. Check out the uh, local scene. See if you got a high school club or maybe a sanctioned high school team. And uh, get out there and support them a little bit. They can use all the help they can get. And if you need uh, to find a club for your child to uh, participate in, hey, don't be afraid to make that extra phone call. Go that extra mile. Reach out to your school board. Talk to the high school principal. Talk to the athletic director. You never know. You might have a Bill Buckner in your community that's willing to donate some time. And you know, And if nothing else, go out there and learn more about a lake. By being a boat captain for a weekend, you're going to learn about a body of water and the conditions for the current time period by helping these kids go fish, and you're doing a good deed at the same time. So I would encourage folks that if you got nothing going on and the wife doesn't care or whatever, go out there and captain for a day. And I, I guarantee you that those boat captains, when their kids do well, they feel that success just as much as those kids do. Hey, boat positioning is paramount. So It is. There you go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, a little high school, local flavor, but uh, very applicable nonetheless. Until next time, hook them or hunt them. Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. (laughs) 